Hello and welcome to another episode of FGC Philosophy. I'm your host, the philosopher, and this is where we help you level up inside and outside the virtual arena by talking about topics and talking to guests that I feel are important and helpful to myself and to you guys. And on that note, thank you guys so much for the support. I am in the process of moving into my new house. We have moved, we're good to go, but I have to work on the office, so not fully hooked up, don't have my good mic hooked up, so sorry for the audio quality of this introduction. But the show must go on. I must continue to strive. So in today's episode, we'll be going back and listening to Automatic. He is a competitor and a content creator over on YouTube and Twitch. He teaches people how to get better at Street Fighter and a little bit of Dragon Ball Z by breaking down the game and helping people understand some of these more complicated concepts. I love watching his videos. I love talking to this guy. He's a very intellectual person. does a great job of making complex ideas a little bit more approachable and giving you something actionable to do it. He shows the whole process of training, going through the rank with starting from bronze. So it's very interesting to talk to this person. I do in the future plan on talking to him again and getting more insight onto him because it's been about a year or so since we spoke. So there's tons of insight to gain from that. That said, though, before we get into the show, I have to, of course, mention Patreon. Patreon is a service that is funded by you guys completely. And I am grateful for the people that do pitch in. As little as a dollar a month can go a long way. That goes right back into my business. So thank you guys for those who support. And if you want to, it's patreon.com slash philosopher if you want to help this project continue to grow. Other than that, though, I do plan on creating some more content, I do plan on growing, it's just a matter of getting my office done, have a little bit of drywalling and painting and a few things to do with the flooring before I set up my office in there and start recording with cameras and streaming and all that stuff. So it's going to be a little bit of time, but bear with me and I will continue to pump out content for you guys and I am so grateful for your patience and I will continue to do my best. So that said, thank you guys so much and enjoy the show. very young when Street Fighter first came out, Street Fighter 2 in the arcades, but I would see my older brothers playing it, and you know, I'm much younger than my brothers. I'm the youngest of five brothers, so two in particular, they would go out and, you know, play it, but I was too young to really, you know, interact with them, and then when they fin- when it finally came out on console, that was like, all right, now I'm in there, I can finally start playing, but it wasn't really, it didn't quite work out the way I wanted to, uh, but from there, I always had this desire to go to the arcades and meet new people and play Street Fighter, and that's when I started meeting people who taught me different ways of approaching the game. Uh, I had my own, I had my own unique way of approaching it, which which was kind of not, not always the best, you know, when you're a new player, you're learning new things, but you see, I always had like a knack for seeing things that look cool and just doing the things that look cool and look fast. I was attracted to, to really, really kind of uh, obscure characters. I played Yang in Third Strike initially. Uh, but my strategies were all bad, but I had really good reactions. So I had people that helped me direct it. And then once I was able to react to things, I started learning the psychology and then I started developing my own sense of how frame data works and how can I, how can I apply this to the psychology and the 
um, and the reactionary qualities that I have. And then that's where I started playing. You know, I got into the modern games, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. I even played Marvel for a little bit. And now you kind of see the end result of all that research and history in Street Fighter 5, where I, I know I know how to dissect the frame data to a, a, a very, very, like to a, to a number and make that a useful number. Yeah, that's something that I actually noticed about you in a lot of your videos is you do dissect it in a very specific way and you articulate it very well also, which is right. an important thing. <laughs> it's very good for teaching. Um, I know that if I, if I present something in a way that's too scientific or if I present it in a way that's kind of boring, it might be the most meaningful thing in the world about Street Fighter. Like if I put, put together this crush counter setup that works here and here, nobody's going to care if I just do that and explain it. I have to show it in a way that's going to be like uh, almost, almost like meme worthy or uh, a clickbait almost. I have to introduce that so that I can then introduce other like meaningful ideas. I know how, I know, I know how the game works, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's very. So when you first said that, I kind of thought about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's like a very popular scientist. And he if you ever hear him talk, he speaks very visually and he's great at introducing people to the layman's understanding of like astrophysics, but also like helping them understand how profound and deep something can actually be. So that's kind of what it sounds like you're doing, but in a street fighter level as well, because you have to cater to your audience. As far as I know, Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't regarded. I, I mean, I'm sure he's an amazing thinker, scientist, but in the scientific community, he's not like the Justin Wong, but he's a great spokesperson. He knows how exactly. to present the yeah, information yeah. there. So my other question then I have to ask is, is how did this all turn into like competing at some point? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. So the, 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 what facilitated that, that whole, uh, where are the tournaments idea was sure you can, they had the forum and you would see on the forum where people like, now you see like Facebook or kind of word of mouth and it's a lot, it's a lot of majors. And I think it's, I think it is more challenging to get initiated into your local scene. But back then we had SRK. If you know what SRK was, you could have a sense of where tournaments were in your area. Now Facebook is like, you have to invite somebody, you got to know somebody, that kind of thing. I think it's harder to recruit new people, but uh, that's how it kind of started. But my problem was I didn't have a, I didn't have a license until I was 21 ish. If I remember correctly, I didn't have a license. So it was very tough for me to even get to arcades. But once I got my foot in the door and I started meeting people uh, through the forum, I messaged somebody and then he didn't get until months later, but he felt, he didn't feel like, uh, like, like he had to go out of his way, but he did feel kind of bad, that kind of thing. So that ended up being, you know, one of my best friends. And he started taking me to tournaments on his own time. This is really much, he's like in his forties right now. He's a good role model. He has his own house. His daughter's going to college, that kind of thing. I mean, he's all, I mean, technically he's my uncle right now. <laughs> he's actually my step uncle. That's how I met my wife. Oh, really. wow. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, so, I mean, this is a, I guess a more so personal question, but how have you found a way to balance like personal and, and like, training for fighting games because it's something that you know people who compete take very seriously maybe i haven't <laughs> i think it's just been more the whole the, the 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 duration i'm not i'm not 20 i'm not 18 i'm 30 i've been doing it since i was like 16 or so so if we if if, if you just consider me doing this for like two maybe even 30 to an hour of a day it's it's, it's still going to be a lot more than somebody else who hasn't been doing for for more hours per day but less less time that i've been alive and doing this but it's also the people that I've been introduced to. So the quality of hours. So if I put in an hour, but I know what I'm really looking for, I'm applying it in a very quick. So a lot of people are impressed that I play Zeku in one month. They're like, how, how are you, (laughs) how are you already on this level and developing and playing it at this, at this, at this speed? It's because I've done it so many times. I've seen so many different styles of play. I'm well-traveled. I've been to many Evos, that kind of thing. I've, I've, 
I've been there and done that kind of, I mean, I don't want to like sound egotistical or nothing, but I, I have a lot of experience in this area. So it's, it's, it's kind of the, the premise here. Yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you touched on that. Cause that's something that I wanted to get to later on, but um, yeah. So obviously we both started playing Zeku at the same time. My level of skill is a lot lower than yours. Um, so it's not like if I, if we put in the same amount of time, we put in 40 hours a week of, of Zeku training, my outcome is not going to be the same as yours because your, your experience your prior experience with fighting games as a whole is, is more extensive than mine. So my, I guess my question is how do you kind of condense no training second. hours? Yeah. Yeah. How, how can, cause you, you asked this question or someone asked you this question in a different way before in one of your videos, but, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, in your words, how, how would you answer that? Uh, look for people that know what they look, look for their answers. It's like, if you have a problem, you don't know a solution to it, but somebody else has solved it already. You can go, there's benefits to, to solving yourself. Absolutely. Part of the reason why I'm able to do this, do what I do is because I've solved, I've solved a lot of problems on my own. I've, I found the solutions and I've you know made some creative choices and you know, here I am, you know, because I play characters like Hugo and third strike gang, Ganon and vanilla's uh, street fighter four, because I, because I went through the motions and followed my own path. Now I can play any character at will and find them all quickly. And even characters who are already established, I'll find things for them that well. So you would want to see something, that other other you want to see how the the formula you want to find the formula the winning formula and then and then see how you can use that so i don't know it's really hard to like uh condense that answer into one thing without really so like the things that i look for in a new character i would look for the how to throw them how to play mid-range and how to play neutral those are the three things that i would look for initially because that gives me the baseline the guide of how this character is going to behave and how it interacts with other characters so once i can establish that then i'll look for knockdown okizemi then i'll look for defense that kind of thing but i already know enough about street fighter 5 to uh, understand like the character matchups. So I, a lot of th- something that, pe- that, that people, something that people struggle with is that they don't know enough about their character and the character they're playing against. So if you can't put those uh, two things together, then you, you, you don't even have a starting point. You don't know where to start. So you have to, you have to do, you, you do have to take notes and see how other people are approaching it. And then you can use that as a starting point. And then you have to really identify what the problems are in the first place. But the other problem with that is that a lot of people don't know how to solve that problem. They don't know how to get from one thing to another. And it's the identification of that problem and then the solution. This this whole A to B thing, it's so far lost in translation. And I think a lot of unfair assessments are made from that position, but sometimes they are haphazardly accurate. <laughs> so what I mean is the, the classic, uh, I talked about this on Twitter the other day, how uh, the perception of Cross Tekken and, and now Street Fighter Five. The, the louder voices are reflective of the, the direct experience they have of the game, whether they're right or wrong. So a lot of people said Cross Tekken was a sort of jab into chain combo and then timeouts, there's no damage. Totally wrong. There were a few characters who could get away with that. But because the game was so underdeveloped and a lot of people didn't know how to play it, they had no idea how volatile <laughs> that game was dangerous. You ever play Cool Kid? You ever play Ryan Hunter? Rio, they hit you two to three times. Your character dies. You, you, you have one life bar. You have to manage it. Now it's kind of the interesting, like the delicate processes of that game. But if you didn't know how to do that, then, then sure, the game looks like it's, it doesn't look like a good game. I mean, it, it visually doesn't look that great either. But the gameplay itself is hard to appreciate. So in comparison to Street Fighter V, a lot of people have this feeling of uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of mashing. It's a lot of, uh, 
guessing. It's the neutral. This is crazy. And they're not wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. But they still don't know the solutions to it. But they don't know how, how to figure that out either. So what can you what what are we supposed to do? Is it our responsibility? Is it someone like me? That's what I'm attempting to do. I'm trying to educate and inform as best as I possibly can. But I have to be honest about what's really there, too. I think a lot in analogies and metaphors and the way I kind of want to like explain how I got that was basically I, I love martial arts. I think martial arts and fighting games go great together as analogies. And so uh, when you practice martial arts, you can't just learn the advanced techniques or learn certain things like you, you can try them, but you won't understand certain things about them or you just want to have the proper execution because you didn't build that foundation with like, for example, with, with normals and the spacing, you know, understanding the range of your normals and stuff like that. It's great to learn a combo, but if you can't use it in an optimal position, then you, you only know the combo in a, a static state. Whereas it had the information, but not, but not the technique or the execution part of it. Right, exactly. And it seems like, I mean, I'm not a great player, so I, I see myself making this mistake, which is why I'm pointing it out. But I, I see a lot of other players that are better than me also having that same kind of mindset. They learn the game a lot faster than me, but they get these limits to where they are because they're not focused. They're not prioritizing cer- certain things because it's a little more boring, not as flashy, but it's still very fundamental to fighting games. So let me know what you think about that. A player might be weak in a certain area that they don't know how to improve on. So they try to accentuate the qualities that they, they do they do know about. Uh, I, I do think that a lot of people try to cheat their way into – not really cheat their way. Like it's, it's exactly what you should do is that take notes and copy what other people do. But that's that's where it ends. They have that strategy, but they don't know all the moving parts involved with it. So I don't know. I don't know really how to tackle that because there's a lot of time invested into learning those certain abilities. But you have to identify them in the first place. You have to know, you know, when to turn the switch on and off. And in Street Fighter V particularly, you have to know how to play a little bit crazy, but you have to know how to balance it too with the, I like to say, you know, it's like 20% you got to play solid and 80% you have to be like presenting the threat or playing crazy. It's hard to answer that question without looking at it in a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Are we talking about neutral? Are we talking yeah. about anti-airs? Are we talking about knockdowns? Are we talking about how all those things interact with each other? How they happen as a result of, from one another and how they happen in the first place? A lot of times in neutral, uh, this is not to say that it's not possible to play intelligent neutral Street Fighter Five, but a lot of times it happens accidentally and then you get straight to the guessing part and then that's where it's, it's kind of... Um, Unpleasant. It's an unpleasant experience for for me personally. It's not fun to win that way, or it's you know it's definitely not fun to lose that way either. But if you don't understand, if you can't pinpoint the cause of how you got to that position in the first place, then you can't you can't only analyze the guessing part. I think you do have to accept in some well, you absolutely have to accept in many situations that it boils down to a guess in Street Fighter Five. But there's a process before that even happens, and you have to identify what's going on in both players' mind. So. In your opinion, what would be some of the factors that would affect somebody's ability to actually distinguish what they did wrong or right in a situation? Like, you, there's no, there's no absolute. There's no, there's no absolute. But some of the, the factors that you think you've noticed, you know, what, what would you recommend? There is, there are some absolutes. Uh, so let's say somebody jumps in on you. You got Nikali. He does between a jumping hard punch and a dive kick. But you're so busy looking at the, the footsie, you're looking for his roundhouse on the ground, you're looking for him to do, I don't know, something like dash up, jab, throw, that kind of thing. You're paying attention to the ground. Now, you didn't anti-air him. That would be the absolute. You didn't anti-air him. But the reason why is because you're looking for other things on the ground. 
if you go into training mode and you have a character jump at you and you anti them, you can do it. I mean, you could probably do it a larger percentage than you could if you were multitasking. That's the biggest issue is multitasking and knowing what to knowing when to switch priorities and then knowing when you need to force your opponent to multitask more than you. So that this game really presses your ability to uh, pressure your opponent mentally in uh, in in ways that sometimes are accidental. That's a, that's a fancy way of me saying people play like cavemen, right? The unga bunga, you know, and the Kali's notorious for this. They just jump at you. They just, jump, they just dash at you. They do a roundhouse and crush counters. They do a V. This happened to me the other day. V skill, I blocked it. Sweep crush countered me. I'm like, you kidding me? Really? So you have to like really figure out what's going on there. It's it's not always a pleasant experience because of the, the, the feeling it gives you. You don't want to like respect it. You don't want to actually say that I have to, um, he does, he's going to do an unsafe sweep here. You know what I'm saying? But you, you, you have to, it's always a case by case thing. I, I would like to, to hear your explanation of, of a couple of things. Like you said, there was like three things that were really important and you, and you, you listed them again. Um, but like your video understanding with punishing with understanding uh, with punishing in Street Fighter Five, that was a really good video. Uh, and I think you talked you. about a lot of different things in this. And you talked about um, proactive and reactive, like with punishing mm-hmm. or proactive zoning. And I'd like you to break down what what that means a little bit more. Okay, so reactive with punishing. As far as myself, I'm going to tell you how I test this too. Within about 17 frames, if I take the total frames of a move, if I have a move that's 30 total frames, that's startup active and the recovery, and then I have another move that has whatever 30 minus 17, 23, no, excuse me, 13. (laughs) If I have something that has 13 startup and I see something that's 30 total active frames, I can, in the best possible situation, this is very important that I say that, this is the absolute best that I can do about approximately, I can whiff punish. I can. It's important to establish that I can. What this test was really for was seeing what I could not whiff punish. So if I have a 13 frame move and their total frame is 25, there is such a low chance that I'm going to, I can't whiff punish it. So I have to be proactive about it. So what that means is that I have to use something before I see something actually happening. I have to, I have to use that slower button in anticipation of them doing that move, whether I want to hit counter hit them or hit them on the recovery. Now, the problem with this is that I, I have the potential for being with punished myself. Say that move that I'm trying to use that's 13 frames total startup is a 40 frame total active frame move that I have to use proactively if I if I aim to with punish something. If this move is 40 active frames that I'm using to uh, proactively with punish, but my proactively with punish uh, the move that I'm using proactively to with punish something, not on reaction can be with punished on reaction. <laughs> so now I'm leaving myself vulnerable with something that I have to use. But if the, if the reward is right, then it can be a little bit balanced. But that's part of the problem is that now if I use something like a Urian standing hard punch and then they jump at me, I'm in a recovery state. And now now they might uh, get a get a jump in or I can't block it at least. And that to me seemed to me, that seems like the goal for their 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 design philosophy in Street Fighter Five is uh, have moves that have a lot of recovery, but they can crush counter. They might jump at you, but it doesn't always work out like that. It, it, it's, it always feels more like everything is proactive. I, and I think it, so, on paper, most things are proactive rather than reactive. So would you say this falls into the other category of what you're talking about with unintentional neutral? Uh, ye, unconfirmed neutral is a better way of saying it because it's a combination of both. You are not able to verify what's actually happening. 
but you have to be in this mental predictive state to really um, make an intelligent choice. And sometimes the the Occam's razor, like do not multiply entities like what I'm doing right now. This is 30 frames. I can punish it 17 frames. He might jump in at the same time. I don't have four frames left. And I can, that's probably, I think it's important to know that. But oftentimes, especially playing this game online, just know about it. But playing off field is better. But I think having the information first is good to know what you can play field based off of. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. It's like, know it's there. Know that you can do this in certain instances, just not in all instances. Just have it in your mind. And and so when that event happens that you can't actually do something about it, then you can do it. Yeah. It's, it's- you you want to do the best possible, um, it, the most work you can possibly do to explain something so you can come up with solutions. And if to, to, to come up with a solution, you have to understand what the answers are, are in the first place. So playing by field is very powerful, but... If you don't know, you need to have something that guides the way you feel. Sometimes it's just purely results. Just when you test something, it works out very well. And that works out. But then when somebody else knows the solution to that, then you have to improve. And that's why I do think this game is a good tool for teaching people how to play fighting games, how to like uh, approach the learning mentality for fighting games. It's not overwhelming. It does have a lot of easy. It's, it's accessible, right? It's very easy to play. But it's not easy to play for a lot of new players. They have no idea. You know what? I don't mean to ramble on about this, but when you play a first-person shooter, it's clear to you, you got to shoot things. You shoot them in the head, it does more damage. Get behind something. These are like, these concepts are pretty, pretty clear. Not saying everybody, you know, you get the whole journalist mode meme these days. But in, in fighting games, in Street Fighter, the first, the first thing people do, mash every button on the stick. They don't know. They don't have any direction. They don't understand those three things that I'm trying to, like, and that's not a perfect list. I, I still maybe maybe someday I'll, I'll work it out to where it's more comprehensive. But learning how to play neutral, anti-air, and how to just basically knock your opponent down and then uh, mix them up in, when you're close to them, that gets so far from anybody who's first picking up a fighting game. It's, it's, it's hard to put those pieces together. It makes me think about the idea of mental fatigue. Um, there's, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this, but basically... As you go throughout your day, the more choices that you make, the more the lower your willpower. Like, so think of like a, a meter in like an RPG or something like that. There's like this literal concept where your your willpower is a muscle. The more choices, okay, cool. The more choices you make, the the lower it goes. And so, <clears throat> with with Street Fighter, it's a very overwhelming thing. So one, as you wean off of button mashing, you're learning there's more options. But as you learn there's more options, you're getting overwhelmed by. The number of options, yeah, but not and, and not being able to make the proper choices in any given situation. It's very overwhelming because you get to the state where you know there's a, there's a better way to get better, but you just don't know how to like go that route. So, and this kind of leads into my question of, I wouldn't call it multitasking, but you know, it's like chess. You have to think about so many different things at one given time. How do you lower that amount of energy that you have towards these things rather than getting overwhelmed by them? Or what has been your experience when you got past that, that overwhelmed sense of, of state and you're able to actually make proper choices? Uh, the, the easiest answer that comes to mind is I think about when I learned how to play piano. Like you mentioned earlier, uh, I do make music. I played cello in high school. I, learned, I taught myself how to play piano. I make music, that kind of thing. Uh, but I didn't start playing piano with both of my hands at Friday, that wasn't the first thing I did. I didn't see a piece of music. I was like, oh, I can do this. I had to, you know, I already had like the rhythmic qualities following a tempo, that kind of thing from playing in my middle school, high school orchestra. So then when I understood how, how, to, how to apply certain 
um, how to how to read music. Then I could start applying that and based off of what I heard, because I could I could still play by ear, but I combine that with the sight reading. And then I did one thing for the other. I put those together and now I slowly I can work both of my hands together, but I'm still not quite playing music yet. It's not until you get comfortable with doing those things uh, that you can actually make it expressive. And that's what you're really aiming for in fighting games, that expressive nature. So if you don't know all the, if you don't, if you don't have the tools established, if you don't know how to learn about them to compare them to having like a piece of classical music, if you don't see, because the, the classical, if you're, if you're studying Chopin, Bach, Beethoven, they know what they're doing already, but they have the formula written down. So you can assess what they have written down and then you can, you can hear the result of it, but that doesn't, that doesn't, um, that doesn't ingrain you with the understanding of how they put that together, but it gives you the skills to perform it. So what I am trying to, my, my end game is to um, get people to compose music is I guess, I guess if we're using analogy, which of course is going to be flawed, but uh, it's, it's hard to get that across though, because there's not really any site. There's not any uh, sheet music for fighting games, you know, well, there is, but it's hard to find. It's not in a good format and it's not for like modern times, that kind of thing. It's, it's just difficult to find. And there's not a lot of people who can present it. I think that's a, a great analogy, um, which kind of bleeds into Zeku a little bit because this guy, not only do you have to you know, learn this new character, but he essentially has two different movesets. He, he's two different characters, but they kind of work in unison. They kind of, in my opinion, they're strongest when they're working together. But you know, I, I'd love to know how your experience with learning this character that has two different forms. You've played Gin, so this isn't super new to you. I, I just feel like it's one character as a whole. It doesn't feel like this is such a weird um, approach for some people. It's like, I'm a young Zeku player. I only play old or only do this in this matchup. It's like, why? <laughs> it seems like such a, um, how do you say, like a lore kind of thing. Like you're playing because of, uh, based off of what you feel is right or something. Or I, I relate more to the young Zeku, that kind of thing. That's not how I see things. I see it more. I try to be as um, objective as possible. Right. And uh, just look at the maps, look at the things, look at the tools I have available. How do I apply them? What problems do I have? Can I fix them? You know, the same old thing. How do I throw them? How do I how do I anti-air? How do I play neutral? Those are the first questions I have. And then with Street Fighter V in particular, what really defines a character and what their what their goal is at the end of the day, once you have all those things put together, the, the same thing, things, three things. How do you do their V-Trigger? How do you work their V-Trigger mechanics? So, Zeku does have a two-bar V-Trigger, so that means that he, he can build it at about 50% of his health-ish. So, if you get a crush counter, you get some white health damage that you recover, you um, get the V-Skill, which he is quite good at getting his V-Skill, so that gives him another, I think it's like 20%-ish for, for, half, for one bar. So, 10%, you get a V-Skill. 10%, it'll give you about 10% if you land a V-Skill, depending on the scaling. So, he's good at building his V-Trigger. And his V-Trigger is really good. It has many uses, as many things you can do about it, uh, do with it. You have uh, two, really three things you can do with his V-Trigger as far as the mechanics itself. You have the activation. The activation itself is really good. If you do a standing medium kick and then you do medium and then you do you go into Idante the dash and you go to the target combo, you're not using it as best as you possibly could, unless that's going to kill them. Like you, then you might squeeze out more damage. But if you do something like old Zeku standing medium kick, activate, uh, standing or crouching hard punch, medium kick techie, you've only used the activation and you've done comparable amount of damage that you would have if, if you used the remaining parts of the V-Trigger. 
But what you've done is you saved the Idante. Now you have that for later. Now you've added more utility to your normals. You have the slide V trigger available or the slide Idante available with Young Zeku, which can which can uh, make your knockdown safe. You don't have to activate it if they block or if they get hit by it. If they block it, you can go into it and do, do the uh, Idante string. So finding out the ins and outs of the character. And then the, the end game is how do I use their V trigger? But then it's like, how do I get to where I can activate it and use the make the best use out of my V trigger? So that's really the approach to it. Uh, the rest of it is just, you know, it's like, um, it's like simplifying each part individually. Because in Street Fighter V, I will say they, they have done a pretty good job of making everything have a use. Everything have some kind of quality where it's useful somewhere. So you look at Light Punch Horizontal. What do I use this for? Okay, maybe I can use this in uh, anti-airing. Okay, It's got upper body invincibility. So to me, that implies maybe that's where the move ends. Maybe that's where I use it. Then I find somewhere else that I can kind of squeeze it in. If I get a crush counter, I do standing short, Light Punch Horizontal, and then I V-Skill. I do less damage than a different combo, but if, if that V-Skill is going to give me my V-Trigger, then I have access to activation and then I can start building it again in later parts of the match. So it's like dissecting each move and each part, you, you can get different answers for each thing. And it's like optimize, optimizing as much as you possibly can. That's, what, but that's what's really going to make this character. Um, I already think he's powerful and I'm like not even near optimized with him. So well, let me ask you this then. With the fact that he has these two different forms, um, the transition between the two, you know, how I, I've seen you do certain things that I learned, like the heavy punch into the transform with from old to young Zeku, stuff like that, that I didn't know was even a thing. Um, like, how do you go about learning how they work in tandem? Uh, how do I? I think like, I need to talk about discovery, too, if I do talk about that. So the, the, that, that is a result of looking at something like standing hard punch. If I'm just looking at his normals, I do standing hard punch. And then I do something like boost and flip or like I'm trying to assess, can I do any normals into the boost and flip where it's worthwhile? So I'm looking at standing hard punch and I notice how much block stun it generates, how much, excuse me, how much hit stun it generates. And that's where you get an idea. What if I cancel that into the, the, uh, the stance change? What's the result? Are there any, is there any position, are there any normals in any form, young or old, that I can cancel and have advantage after I stance change? And the, the answer was standing R punch. So how much advantage do I have? I have plus one. So that means as young Zeku, my three frame, three frame normals are the fastest in the game. If they do a three frame and I do a three frame while I'm plus one, I'm going to counter hit them. And then I can get crouching medium punch that combos off the, the counter hit. So just having that ability to hit crouching jab and counter hit them can convince my opponent to not do anything during that state. So now I can do things like walk up throw, walk up standing medium punch. So taking that, that, that small, uh, tool that, that small observation and turning it into something useful because of other things that I know about the game that is absolutely essential to developing a character and finding out new things with them. Did you look at the frame data when you did it, or did you just go through all the buttons and just try to uh, stance change? Uh, I didn't have the frame data at the time. Sometimes people tell me that's 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 totally that's there too. I get you know a stream chat they help me out because they're doing research themselves, and then I can take an idea and then find something else and improve on it, or they can you know the information's out there. But we didn't have any of the frame data for a few days. A lot of that discovery was um, it's it's so important to just go into training mode, have something programmed to have a three frame reversal on wake up when they're blocking, and then you can start to figure out your frame traps. That's really the key to it. The frame data just expedites that process and it gives you more ideas. What what would be your your I guess your your canned answer for someone that comes up to you and is trying to get better? You know, with any character, you know, you just want to give them a the process. You don't you know, your elevator pitch. 
for getting better at uh, Street Fighter Five or any fighting game that you're knowledgeable in? Uh, my canned response is not informative enough, but I'm going to say it. It's what I told my best friend back in the Third Strike days. Uh, two, ideas, two ideas here. The And maybe this isn't as true as it used to be, but the amount of time that you spend blocking is directly proportional to the amount you learn about the fighting game. Now, this is like a little bit, tr- it's a little bit harder to tackle that question in Street Fighter Five because blocking is always, it's, it's a good thing to do, but the idea is that paying attention to what your opponent is doing is really a big part of how you are how you should behave in the game. So it's just the simplest thing. Like in, street, in Super Turbo, somebody throws a fireball, you block it, they throw a fireball, you jump over, you punish them. They don't throw a fireball, they jump at you, that person anti-airs you. So can you tell if they're throwing a fireball or not? That's the point. But that interaction between that fireball and anti-air, that to me, we got this whole what's real Street Fighter. That thought process to me, somewhere in that is what real Street, what real street Fighter is to me. So the long and short, pay attention. <laughs> pay attention to what's happening. So you, you talked about streaming a little bit and getting answers from that. What, what's been your experience with streaming with people in the community and, and learning as a community? I want to be like overwhelmingly positive. That's kind of a, um, a cliche answer, but it has been great, man. I'm trying to do it as a career now. I'm putting school on hold and I'm spending the next couple months. I go to school for free now. I have the GI Bill. I'm former Air Force six years. Uh, so I, I'm finishing up my degree and I'm like, um, uh, I got to strike while the iron's hot. And everything is going really well. I'm almost at the point where I can pay for my bills playing uh, just streaming in YouTube. So, and then we got, I'm, I'm working on more projects and uh, I think I can do it as a career. So yeah. That should give you enough to respond to how well I'm, I feel like I'm doing. Nice. I, I greatly respect everything you just said. That leads into my next question is where can they find you if they want to check out more of your stuff? Tons of great tutorials, guys. So t- check this guy's videos out. Go on YouTube. But, you know, yeah, if you're, you're on social media, your Twitch, where can they find you? You can find me on twitch.tv slash automatic, twitter.com slash automatic, youtube.com slash jibbo, J-I-B-B-O. <laughs> I gotta give you the the, uh, the the mainstream the the, the on camera person. <laughs> All right, yeah, I like, it, I like it. There will definitely be links down below. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot. I hope you guys have too. And as always, I will see you guys in the next one. Later.